This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. If you'd like to support Hiking Through Life, you can go to hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. We have t-shirts, water bottles, and we recently added stickers to the shop. Use the code podcast at checkout and receive 10% off your first order. There are other ways you can support this podcast as well. You can check those out at hikingthroughlife.net slash support. Also, be sure to sign up for our email list. You can do that by heading over to hikingthroughlife.net. Enter your email address and click subscribe. There's no commitment. You can unsubscribe at any time. As part of our email list, you'll receive our monthly newsletter. We'll also be sending out any promotional codes for Hiking Through Life gear. It's an excellent way to follow Hiking Through Life's journey. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Today we are joined by two young entrepreneurs who are part of the co-founding team, Ripple Leaf Farms, located right here in Minnesota. The concept of sustainability and leaving a positive impact on our earth is one that many outdoor enthusiasts align with, and it's always worth learning more about. The outdoors can relieve stress and anxiety, helping a person's mental well-being. What we put into our bodies adds to our mental well-being as well. We are here with Ryan and Justin to learn more about the story behind Ripple Leaf Farms and the benefits of hemp products. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Sure. Thank you much, so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. So I would love to hear about both of your backgrounds and how this all got started. You guys are both fairly young entrepreneurs. I can't imagine you're too many years out of college. No, we actually uh, had this idea in college and uh, <laughs> uh, third year of college, both of us, and we left third year to pursue this idea. Really? Okay. So why don't we start with, yeah, you, Justin, what were you studying in college? I was a business major for maybe two years, and then I switched over to philosophy for my last year, just because it was my main passion. And I talked to so many business majors, and they really didn't know where they wanted to go in life, and neither did I. It was just kind of a chasing money, and, and philosophy gave some meaning to my studies that really kind of drove my passion. Okay. And how about you, Ren? What were you studying? I started off um, with field biology, and that was a little bit more math and science than I was hoping. And so then I ended up switching over to like park services and management and things like that. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like both of you like had like a little bit of outdoor background, business background, like this idea didn't just like come out of nowhere necessarily. No, no, not out of nowhere. We were, we've kind of been very interested in what's going on in the legalized states like Colorado, California. And then when the 2014 farm bill came into place and kind of made hemp uh, or at least industrial hemp in Minnesota, a possibility that really got our interest. And then 2018 came with a revised farm bill. And then it was really easy for us to kind of latch onto the idea of CBD and CBG and just give us a little bit of a try. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so I'm so, and I think for a lot of people who like have no idea about hemp and the whole world of this, like, can you just give a little bit of background about that? Because I think some people are under the impression that it is still illegal, but it's totally legal here in Minnesota now. Yes. uh, There's variations of hemp and what is legally considered hemp is anything that contains under 0.3% THC. 
And so we, we create CBD, CBG, which are both still kind of compounds that come from hemp, but they have much higher percentages of the compounds CBD and CBG with under 0.3 percentage uh, of THC. And that's what makes it legal in Minnesota as well as throughout the country. Okay. Like how can people benefit from using this? I mean, obviously both of you have some experience in using it. I mean, what, what would you say are some of the biggest benefits? There is a lot of benefits from hemp um, across the board, just uh, with the different ways it can be used. We specialize in CBG hemp, which is something that you can get through smoking the plant directly or from an extract. When you see things like uh, lotion that'll say CBD or CBG, it helps the body with things like relaxation, or it can also help with like relaxing muscles and with aches and pains. It really does a lot in your body and can be used in different ways based on mm-hmm. how you use it. So for something like a cream or something that'll work more on that area directly like muscles, or if you intake it through smoking, then it's going to work through your entire body a bit more because it enters the bloodstream. Okay. And so you guys are doing it in both ways there. We haven't yet developed a cream, but we are looking into different topicals, but we've mainly focused on the smokable products that we have. We're also trying to come out with a tea, but we haven't really settled on a, a recipe for that yet. Okay. So I can imagine you guys like spent a handful of time in other states that where this was legal at first to kind of like try stuff out. Is that right? We spent a little bit of time in Colorado, or at least I spent some time in Colorado, but with hemp being, or the hemp that we're growing being completely legal since about 2014, we've been able to go to local smoke shops. You can pick up uh, CBD rolls, which is just uh, uh, the ground up flower of the hemp plant. Uh, put in a little, usually a hemp paper, and then you can smoke that. Or you can have uh, tinctures, which are kind of, it's the concentrate of the hemp plant that can get mixed with oil. And then you can just apply that under the tongue and get the same benefits from the hemp plant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've heard of those ones. So where where are you guys located? It's Northern Minnesota. Yeah, if, um, we're south of Hibbing. We're in a weird kind of no man's land for no really community takes us. We're just kind of out in the boonies over there. But it's uh, south of Hibbing is kind of the closest landmark, about an hour from Superior. And did it just end up that that's where there was enough land to do this farming or why out there? It was uh, a, bit, a bit of a scramble as we uh, finally got everything together with, um, there's uh, four main founders of this. And then we also have another pair of people who are uh, a part of the company. And we got everything together for the business plan and what we wanted and how we were going to do it. And then it was coming up on spring pretty quickly. And we knew we wanted to plant that first year. We wanted to grow plants the first year and really kick it off. And when you say first year, what what year was that? That was at the beginning of this year. This is Mm -hmm. our uh, first year, actually. Mm -hmm. And so we only started selling a few weeks ago for our first time. But we knew we wanted to have product for our first year. And so it was coming up on spring and it was kind of a scramble to find land that we could use. And it just happened to work out that we found a place uh, south of Hibbing that fit the bill with enough land. Yeah. And just to add to Ryan, we we started this whole adventure was pretty much directly a year ago today. Uh, Maybe not exactly today, but pretty much a year ago when we decided that we were all going to do the hemp farm fully. None of us were going back to school. So we were all in school this year or last year today, we were all in school. And then when uh, winter break came is when we really fully decided that we could take the time and really go for the hemp farm. So it was only a few, a matter of a few months that we had to find the right land, the farm, get all the seeds in order and, and just kind of like Ryan said to scramble to get everything ready. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's like a huge shift and change, especially like all of you were still in college at the time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. But I mean, that's amazing because so many people in college, like you get your degree and then you still don't necessarily know what you want to do. So, I mean, what you guys are doing at a, such a young age is like really awesome. I mean, that's 
not a lot of people are doing that. So way to go, guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It's yeah. still, it's definitely still kind of surreal with, uh, yeah. we remember we were just talking about um, back then, like around last year, we were talking about how we weren't having as much fun at school and didn't mm -hmm. think we were getting as much out of it as we were hoping. And we saw a video that was on the news of people in New York who are around our age who had started a hemp farm. And we all mm -hmm. kind of laughed, you know, oh, that'd be amazing, but that doesn't happen to regular people. You know, you don't just do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then now, you know, about a year later, it's very surreal to look yeah. back and see that we actually have done it ourselves. Oh, as yeah. Well. Yeah. It's really, really fun to look at. <laughs> yeah. That's a really quick timeline and turnaround, it seems. Well, and I mean, just thinking about like all the everything that it takes to start up a business and everything. And I'm assuming you guys took out like lots of loans to start this. I mean, coming straight out of college, I can't imagine you were rolling in the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we had, um, we had a lot of help. Luckily we were, um, we had a lot of mentors that we had family that was connected in the banking industry. So we didn't get money from them, but they gave us a ton of advice on how to prep our business plan to make it uh, appealing to different like private investors so we could have something that looked bulletproof and then pitch it to many different people and keep on getting it revised and uh, after many revisions we finally got two investors that thought we were worth uh, at least a shot at so we were able to kind of take that and run with it. And as like being in the hemp farm business is there a lot of other hemp farms in Minnesota or are you one of the few? There's quite a different kind of an array of hemp farms. We have many different hemp farms that are industrial hemp, which means they're not exactly in our industry. They're more growing hemp for food or for grains or for fibers. And then there is a handful of hemp farmers that are growing CBD and CBG, which is what we're growing. So I would say ballpark of maybe, gosh, is it 20, 20 or so? Right we can around there. Yeah, you can see a list of them on the Minnesota Hemp Agriculture database, but only if the company wants to be seen. So it, it looks like there's 20, but there might be, you know, 50 more that just decided they didn't want to be seen. Okay. I think you guys saw the, um, the baby that I have here. So if you're <laughs> yeah. hearing, if you're hearing coos and stuff, that's, that's the baby. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. Um, so what do the other two people bring to your business? And like, were all of you going to college at the same, at the same college? Is that how all of you know each other? We've all been friends since high school. We all went to the same high school. And then we split up a little bit for college. Mm -hmm. um, Justin was at a different college, but he was with uh, Josie, who's mm -hmm. another one of the founders. And then I was at a different college with Harry, who's another one of the founders. And right. then we ended up, we just, uh, stayed friends after high school. Yeah. And so we were all still talking and things mm -hmm. like that, but we went to different colleges. Yeah. And the high school that we went to was a really a big push to kind of where we where we got to now. We went to the School of Environmental Studies down in Apple Valley, and it was just one of the most beautiful learning environments. They have kind of a holistic learning, uh, I guess, curriculum that ties um, kind of your your impact on nature with uh, English, with math, with science. So your whole learning curriculum is tied together and kind of revolving around. Uh, how you impact nature and that's really cool I didn't realize there was a high school doing that like I know there's lots of preschools making like a nature movement and everything and like even elementary schools but I had no idea that there's a high school yeah the yeah. school's actually uh located right next to the Minnesota Zoo so me and Harry actually drove like 45 minutes to get to school every day because we we're outside of the district but it was <laughs> it caught our attention so much that it was such a unique opportunity that we really wanted to take it. Yeah, they really do a good job of explaining and just tying in what your environmental impacts are day to day. So looking at all the different uh, clothing industries, what you're wearing to just tying you back to what your environmental footprint is. And so hemp was just a very natural uh, crop for us because it has such great environmental impacts besides the ability to, you know, get something that's nice for people and, you know, gives back to people, but it also gives a ton back to the planet. Right, right. Absolutely. And like going back to kind of like the beginning of our conversation, I think, I mean, when I like hear hemp too, sometimes my mind just like goes to marijuana, but, right. <laughs> and I think that's where like the misconceptions of it are coming from, but it's not at all. And I mean, I think even like 
some kids with anxiety can benefit from using like the lotions and stuff. I I know. Right. Yeah. And of course, we since we are only we can't say to have kids <laughs> use hemp, but it's we there have been a lot of studies, especially with epilepsy. Uh, a lot of uh, kids have found with that have epilepsy or seizures have found relief in taking CBD and CBG. And of course, of course, those are kind of independent case studies where there hasn't been you know research done on them. It's more just parents reporting this, but it is uh, it shows a lot of a um, lot of benefits for people. Yeah. And I mean, do either of you have like personal experiences with like stress or anxiety and then using it? Yeah, I definitely uh, do. I was uh, on medication for a long time for uh, OCD. And so I do have a bit of a anxiety background. And uh, since moving to the farm, I've been able to actually stop using uh, the prescription medications and primarily use uh, CBG now. And it, it really does work. It is able to help me kind of de-stress my mind a little bit and makes my thinking a little bit smoother. And I just stop worrying about everything as much. It's kind of hard to explain, but it just kind of allows me to stop focusing so heavily on things that are stressing me out and makes it a little bit smoother. Yeah, for sure. And so is this something that you're using on like a routine, like a daily basis now or just on an as needed? It's a little bit more as needed. It was a little bit more routine, I think, as I was kind of switching over to using um, CVG opposed to something more prescription. And now I've started to kind of get used to it. And now it's more just as needed. If something's really stressing me out or if it's a rough day, then it definitely helps. Yeah, that's super awesome because it's a it's very natural product too. And like you said, you were like on prescriptions. And I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with trying all kinds of prescriptions, but if you can get something that's all natural, that's so much better. Right. So you guys said you are living on this farm. So all four of you live there? Yeah, all four of us uh, live here and it's a, it's a really cool farmhouse. Mm-hmm. It was built back in 1900. So it's got a ton of character. And uh, seemed to be built by what the inspector said was probably just a group of friends <laughs> that built it and then uh, then lived in it. So it's a really, it has a lot of character coming through. Yeah, I mean, I can see your background right now. Like, it's cool. You have like a old looking stove. You got that stone wall, this spice rack hanging back there. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty fun. We uh, the we have a wood stove, which is different because I grew up in the suburbs. So it's all, you know, you've got your furnace going all the time. You have an electric fireplace. If you want heat, you can just press a button. And uh, this is way more fun because you get to actually go out and harvest wood. We have, um, you know, 80 acres of uh, farm with probably maybe seven acres of wood property. So we can go out in the spring and we get our own wood and then chop all the wood ourselves. It's just everything has a lot more meaning. Uh, or your actions have a lot more meaning on the farm. So that's something I've really enjoyed. Well, right. Yeah, for sure. Like when you're like, you're working so much harder for your own living area, it's a lot more rewarding in that sense. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm see, I'm sure you understand that with like uh, backpacking, how everything you need to monitor everything you're doing, everything you pack is essential. And then you use it throughout and it just feels like every action has a very defined purpose. Yeah, Absolutely. And like, I think that's such a cool gift that you guys have right now, like at such a young age to be like having this experience, like I'm not that much older than you guys, but like dropping out of college to do this, I think is like such a rich experience that I'm jealous of. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's been a blast. It's been probably one of the most fun summers of our, of my life, but it's also been, oh my gosh, so stressful. (laughs) Yeah. feels a lot longer than a year yeah uh, that we've been here it's Mm -hmm. it's been a lot of work but it's definitely such an incredible opportunity to have been given and to be able to take advantage of it it's been a really amazing time so was the land like ready to start planting all the the hemp plants right away in the spring or did you have to do a lot to it 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 was kind of ready it had primarily been used for hay for a Mm -hmm. lot of years and so it there wasn't trees or anything like that it was still a field but it hadn't been plowed and the soil hadn't been churned and there hadn't been fertilizers used on it 
And so it was a good thing because uh, with hemp, you want to use fertilizers that are completely natural. You can't use like heavy chemicals or anything like that. And you have to make sure you're not located near something that does that. Like if you're right next to a cornfield that uses pesticides, you can't grow something that people are going to be then using for like smoking or something like that. And so we got lucky that it's all hay fields around us, but also the soil needed to be worked a lot. So we ended up having to plow a lot and having to till um, and then using like a disc and things like that to really churn up the soil to get it ready for actual planting. Yeah. And when you're talking about all these like heavy machinery stuff, like you did, you guys have to go out and like purchase all of that industrial machinery too. Yeah. Yeah. None of us had ever driven a tractor before or had any experience with any kind of hemp machine or any farming machine or equipment or machinery. So it was a really a fun learning curve, you know, driving a tractor and just getting out there and seeing the soil get just kind of plowed and churned is something that I never thought I'd experience, but it was really, really fulfilling and just fun. (laughs) So from the time it's like planted, how long does it take for it to be ready to harvest and turned into like usage? Uh, We started our plants in a greenhouse uh, because the seedlings are a little more delicate. And since you're starting them in the spring, it's a lot colder out. So you want to keep them safe from the cold. And then we transplanted them into the field. And from start to finish, it's about three and a half months is for the plants to get fully mature. And uh, so then it's harvesting them. Uh, We can't harvest with a machine because hemp plants that are for CBG or CBD or something like that uh, has resin on it. And so it gums up machines if you try to machine harvest. So we went out there with like machetes and things like that and uh, cut them all down, threw them in a truck. (laughs) Then you bring them back and then they have to be dried. And so Mm -hmm. we had a second greenhouse full of uh, cables and things like that to hang the plants and dry them. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it needs to be trimmed. So that way you just have the bud left. And then we had to put it in a storage place. (laughs) And so it overall maybe was five months yeah. or so yeah. for it to go from being seed to being a finished product. Right. And going back to that last question about what we had to do to get the land ready, that was the greenhouses, like Ryan mentioned, mm-hmm. were probably the most just labor intensive thing we had to build. And we have uh, two greenhouses on the property that are, uh, what is it, 24 by 192 feet. So we have around 400 square feet or a 400 feet length in uh, greenhouse, which was all built by uh, us four, us, which, yeah. yeah, and not having much construction background or any kind of, you know, big building background. That was a really fun challenge. But I, again, I did not expect to be building that much. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you guys like really did a lot of digging and learning throughout this entire summer. So now like the products are being sold. You said you've made some sales already. Yeah. Yeah. We're starting to sell. We started maybe gosh, was that we launched December 1st. So we, our products went live and our website was live uh, December 1st. And that was really exciting because yeah, after all of the work in the summer and all of the, you know, the fun challenges or just the failures that we had, we still made it to the, the ability to sell. So that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So like the sales are that, is that only through online sales or can people come and visit your farm? We open up for visits, but we, since we're way out in the middle of nowhere, we haven't had anybody visit except for our neighbors <laughs> that come in and look. So all of us are, all the sales right now are through the website, but we were really excited to get out into farmer's markets and just pop-up events. But of course, those are a little bit complicated right now with COVID going on. So we're hoping once it warms up and maybe something cools down, we might have a chance to get out to those farmer's markets soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the that's the perfect spot to try try them out at the farmer's market come spring and summer um and just like talking about like sustainability and stuff like what other things are you guys doing at the farm to have like a sustainable farming process like do you have solar panels or anything or what does that look like we really focus on sustainability in our packaging. So one of the things that we really didn't like about, or we, I guess we really wanted to change in the hemp industry was the single use plastics. Because right now when you buy say a pre-roll or a leaf roll or any kind of smokable product or even tinctures, they can come in these single use little plastics that are gonna be 
if the market takes off, it's gonna be just like razor blades and toothbrushes where you just see them all over in our oceans. So we use only uh, glass packaging and anything that can be fully recyclable and decompose very quickly, unlike many of our other kind of competitors in the industry. So that's where yeah, we focus on sustainability. Yeah, yeah, that's super awesome. Like I can imagine that it might up the shipping and handling costs when it's glass, but yeah, quite a bit. But when you're saving saving the earth, then there's it, it weighs out. <laughs> right, right. We hope our we're pretty small. We have a it's kind of boutique hemp, so we're hoping that the customers that we do get right now are those that support that um, message of sustainability, and those are really the people we're kind of targeting. So we're hoping that they. Yeah, of course, come through for us. Yeah, 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 for sure. And like a lot of those types of people are people who are outdoorsy people and see the benefits in giving back to our earth and everything. So speaking of outdoors, like what what types of outdoor activities do you guys enjoy doing? Like, did you guys grow up doing playing in nature and camping and hiking and all that? Or did that kind of just spark as you went to a nature high school? (laughs) I... Uh, definitely grew up outdoors a lot. My dad's really big outdoorsman. And so uh, I think I started fishing when I was probably two, whenever I could hold a fishing rod, he had me out there and then camping probably when I was like five. And so um, for me, I'm a really big fisherman, uh, camping, things like that. I like being out on the water, boating, things like that. And then I know Dustin also, does a lot outdoors. Yeah. A little bit different yeah. stuff. Yeah, usually. yeah. We do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I was a huge hiker when I was a kid. My dad, I grew up in kind of southern in Red Wing area. Uh, if you know where that city is, it's uh, just bluff yeah. in Minnesota. So we'd go hiking throughout the bluffs. And that's kind of where I started my adventures. And then I, as I grew up, my first, one of my first jobs was I was a ski instructor. So I loved, I've always been out skiing. I love that. And then uh, in college, I was actually, I ran or I helped run the climbing wall. So I'm a pretty avid climber. And that's one of the best parts about moving where we are is we're next to the North Shore now. So lots more climbing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that's just like an hour to the North Shore, you said? Yeah, yeah, about an hour. Perfect. That's awesome. And I mean, yeah, you don't hear people going to Hibbing, unfortunately, but I mean, and you guys are so new, but I think people will, you know, start to discover that you're existing, especially because it's like slowly becoming more socially acceptable that, and just more, people are becoming more educated about hemp and what it is. Right. The education piece is so essential because like you were saying before, a lot of people do go back to that stigma of marijuana and think it's something to be feared or that'll have similar effects. And they're just, uh, they come from the same plant. So it is very similar, but the effects are totally different. Uh, Hemp, the CBG that we grow is not at all intoxicating. Um, One might say it kind of feels similar to a glass of wine on the body, but your mind is completely clear. So it just kind of relaxes you, but it doesn't intoxicate. Yeah, the stigma is definitely heavy as well with, uh, especially since we right now are focusing on smokables because we haven't done anything Mm -hmm. with topicals yet just because there's a kind of barrier to entry with uh, infrastructure. So right now we're doing smokables and those are actually um, illegal in certain states. Not that many states, but a few Mm -hmm. have decided that it's too hard to tell apart from marijuana and things like that Mm -hmm. so it is illegal in certain states and then also just with where we can sell or how we can advertise there's a big stigma against especially smokables right like instagram and facebook for example they have bans on anything that suggests um smoking hemp or kind of ingesting hemp in a way that they find is negative which is difficult for our advertising campaigns because of course you immediately think the place to get grassroots followers is from social media and social media posts but we really have to walk a a fine line that is educational but doesn't cross into selling our products otherwise we could get our pages taken down right right because they so they're saying just because it could like have a negative impact and be tied back to like the what happens when you smoke marijuana is that where you guys are going with that or like we don't really know where the regulations are why they're forming it that way (laughs) but uh because it is fully legal across the united states and uh 
it, it does, I, I think the confusion comes in that it looks exactly like marijuana and it smells exactly like marijuana. So it's, it's very closely coupled in with that in your mind, but it's, uh, it's very different from marijuana. So it's just hard to advertise there. Right. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I think over the next few years, I think we're going to see some big changes with that. I mean, it's just one of those things like going back to the education piece, people just don't know a lot about it. And there is a big movement in sustainability and using all natural products right now. So, yeah. So what did your family say when you got into the biz- this business? Were they skeptical of it? Yeah. Um, not much. They were more worried about uh, the actual starting a business and taking on debt and loans and things like yeah. that scared them a lot more than uh, any stigmas they had. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know anything about hemp or the industry. Mm-hmm. So there was a big education part of that. And it was kind of explaining to them how it's completely different from marijuana and that it's it's federally legal. So it's, mm-hmm. it's legal... It's legal in the U.S., but certain states have different regulations on how it can be used. But the education part was really important just because so many people don't know anything about it. Right. So, for example, we went around for, I think, all of our parents. We had to do just a little kind of presentation to show them this is, you know, this is the starting a business and this is all of our business plans. So we have thought this through. And then, no, we're not just going to go live and be, you know, hippies on a farm and smoke a lot of weed and, you know, <laughs> and do that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a big education for them. But after, after multiple presentations and talking to them, they really, they really got on board. And now all of our families have come up and they helped for planting and harvest and they really kind of held us together. That's awesome. Yeah. I can imagine like, it just took some educating <laughs> with, with them and everything, but I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting because there's got to be, it's probably like that age group, like um, the people who like younger people, I think are more like are more educated about it right now. But do you guys see that with like, when people come and ask you about it, is there an age group that might need a little more education about it? I mean, I'm no expert on it. I could use a lot more education on it too, but is there an age bracket that you're seeing where people need more education? I think you're right in saying the younger generations are much more, I think they're just much more open to experiencing it. It seems like our parents, uh, maybe 40s and 50, or maybe 45 and older, definitely need just a little push to say this isn't marijuana because like you said before, it smells like it, it looks like it, but the effects are different. So for my, my grandma needed some education and now she actually is one of our uh, clients now. She uses it for hip pain and, and you know joint pain. So she loves it, but she did need just a little more education than, you know, many of the college kids that we sell to. Yeah, a lot of the people who don't understand the most do seem mm-hmm. to be kind of in the middle age range, as a lot of older people don't know what it is still, but it's becoming more of a thing with older people, as uh, they do have a lot more joint pain and things like that, uh, muscle pain, and so it's becoming bigger with older people to do CBD or CBG for pains. So older people are starting to kind of understand what it is and understand the differences. Yeah. And usually they really have a nice reaction to it because it is natural and it isn't the, you know, the pharmaceuticals that they have to take that might lead to some nasty side effects or, you know, just unpleasant <laughs> unpleasant mental fog or some my grandma that was a big thing for her she just liked how natural it was so hopefully they'll get good responses once we spread education just a little bit more right for sure I mean this could like it could be like a big breakthrough and like people going in and out of all these prescriptions and all these doctor's visits and all of this like yes some people need a prescription but this is such an awesome alternative Right. So has it, hemp's always been around, right? Like as long as marijuana has been around, hemp's always been around? Yes. Yeah. We actually have a, we just are, we're currently writing a blog. It's not published yet, but about the history of hemp. And the United States has an incredibly in-depth history with, um, with the hemp plant. It was actually mandated that certain states at the founding of our country grow hemp. So I think it was Virginia, Connecticut, Maryland, and maybe a few more had, more had to meet quotas about how much hemp they produced because of how essential it was 
on getting our economy going. So then why is there that like barrier of like the older age generations right now not being educated about it? Because like you think like back in the day, like they knew what marijuana was, but why is it that they weren't knowing what hemp was? Hemp has seems to be kind of had a smear campaign on it from logging industries. Uh, A lot of big industries don't like hemp because you can produce a lot more paper, a lot more effectively with just maybe an acre of hemp versus, you know, 25 acres of trees. So you can get a lot more fiber out of it. It's not going to cause deforestation, but it also takes industry from a lot of really big players then. So usually it just gets covered up and uh, the war on drugs didn't help with that. So they made everything illegal instead of just making THC illegal, which was the one they were fighting. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's you guys are going to do some good stuff for the education of of hemp. I, I feel it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you can use it. Uh, Ryan just actually published the blog about many different uses of hemp. And yeah, you can yeah, tell me a bit about that. It's uh, pretty crazy just how many uses it can have because obviously you hear things about you know hemp rope or textiles but it really can be used in so many ways one of the most exciting ways that's being used right now is for biodiesel which is uh diesel for like tractors or cars and trucks but it's produced using uh like grain alcohol for the most part as the flammable part And then the oil that's added to it to keep the machine running smoothly, instead of using oil that would come from like uh, the ground, like an oil refinery or somewhere, they use hemp oil and it becomes so much more sustainable Mm -hmm. because then instead of having to drill for oil and ruining the environment and the fumes and exhaust that come out are so much worse than with using uh, hemp oil inside Mm -hmm. of that biodiesel so it's a really exciting new thing that people are starting to get into right and like you said like all the fumes that go into the air like that's got to be it's got to have a way better effect on your your own senses (laughs) oh yeah yeah breathing in gas is never good (laughs) so that'd be that'd be great but you can also you see it in uh, the clothing industry right now Patagonia just launched a hemp line I think that was a few months back but it's it takes, I can't remember if it was a fourth of the amount of water as cotton does, or if it was even more than that, but it takes a lot less water to produce hemp. And then it's more durable clothing. So you're not going through as much clothing and, you know, continuing or adding to the constant kind of waste and, you know, the dumps, but it's a really, really versatile plant that seems to stretch among a lot of different industries. So if we're able to get it out there and get people educated on it, we can have a lot more hemp in fields. And one of the cool things about that is that one acre of hemp produces as or cleans as much as much air as 25 acres of trees does. So if we have many, many acres of hemp, we can have a huge impact on the air quality in the United States and just wherever else it grows. Right, for sure. And just like all the products that can be made with it. But I mean, I think right now there's still like a drawback on some of it because when you see hemp products, I mean, they're usually fairly expensive still. They are, yes. Yeah, we just need more people getting into the industry to, because we just basically need more supply for the demand. And so more people need to get into the industry and continue to find new ways that hemp can be used. Right. And as more people get in, it's really on to the consumer to make sure it's the good people getting in. Because there's a lot of big businesses right now, especially pharmaceutical companies and other just kind of food agriculture companies that aren't really about getting or using the correct uh, nutrients or, you know, maybe using pesticides or really don't care about that aspect of hemp growing. And so it's allowing small farms to flourish that is really going to allow for a, a proper growth of the hemp industry and keeping those, you know, that industry in check is the consumer's job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So where did the name Ripple Leaf Farms come from? <laughs> Have you heard the Grateful Dead song Ripple? I don't think I have. Oh, it's a it's a good one to listen to, but it's a ripple. It's a ripple in still water. So we just we like the idea of uh, kind of embracing your ripple. Uh, have you the butterfly effect is something that we kind of talked about. How every even small actions you have have you know multiple reactions and then they grow and grow. And so we thought 
you know, Ripple Farms is a farm that embraces its little ripple and hopes that it'll, you know, grow into something great. Oh, I love that meaning. I mean, it just like ties back into like this entire conversation that, yeah, the hemp industry just needs more publicity and more acceptance. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be exciting. We're hoping, hoping to get a lot of more education out there and get a lot more, I guess, support for small farms. And like we were saying, just to make sure that the growth is that natural growth. And with a, a market cap right now of around, I think they've projected it at 29 billion for uh, the cannabis market and then adding an industrial hemp market of around 17 billion. So for 47, maybe even $50 billion industry, if we could even have, you know, 50,000 farms making $10 million a year, that would be a huge increase to the just the average worker and average farmer's wage instead of having all of that money be funneled into, you know, five main hemp companies. So it's really important to you know, share the wealth and look into what local farms are next to you when you're buying hemp, because those guys are probably going to be the nicest to you. They're going to have organic natural products and you'll know they're, you know, you're supporting a small economy, which is really important right now. Yeah. More important now than ever with right, how right. our economy is looking. Yeah. So what is the, like the day-to-day on the farm look like for you guys? There's four of you working on there. I mean, I'm sure there's millions of projects to tackle every day. Like <laughs> yeah. what does that kind of look like? I think that's one of the best parts <laughs> about uh, farming, living on the farm is it's always changing what mm-hmm. we're doing nothing gets too boring because it's always going to be moving and changing like we would be building the greenhouse for a few weeks to get those done and then it's plowing the fields or Mm -hmm. planting the seeds and it is always changing and evolving on what we need to be doing and a lot of stuff comes up out of nowhere (laughs) based on what's going on uh so it's always changing what we're doing yeah, we'd have a lot of days that we have kind of a list of things that need to be done. So we'd be like, let's wake up at you know seven and then we get out to the field at eight to weed whack and to manage plants. And then we'd want to come back in and say, you know, check out the greenhouse because you have to kind of spray them down with um, whatever's going to fight the fungicides in there or the fungus in there. And then, uh, you know, you try to plan out your days as such, but every day the plan would get erased just to try to survive because you'd get hit with all of these different challenges. We've been hit with droughts that we'd have to kind of adapt to. We ran out of water this year, which was terrifying, but our neighbors luckily came to the rescue there and helped us. So it's just tons of adapting. You never know what a normal day is going to be like. Yeah, that's got to be, I mean, you're definitely like, you got to learn to be super flexible when you're, when you're starting business and like working on a farm. I mean, there's just so many, so many things that are going to arise. Right. We're hoping next year is going to be a little bit more predictable just because this year was such a huge learning curve for us and so much infrastructure needed to be built. So we're hoping next year's kind of day-to-day is wake up, go out and, you know, water the plants, give them a new, put them on a nutrient cycle, and then just kind of tend to them as they need tending. But uh, so hopefully it'll be a more relaxing days this coming year, but who knows. And the other two that are part of your team, what were, what are their expertise? Yeah, so we all have kind of our own uh, expertise. Uh, mine is more big picture and kind of goal setting for the farm and maybe creating a path for us to follow. Because you have the business background, right? Yes. Yeah. So I I do a lot of the big picture and just kind of, of course, we all put in a lot of work in each other's fields. But for the most part, I'm more idea focused. And then Harry and Ryan are really into plant nutrients and what needs to be done in the field. And then they'll set a goal for that and we'll all kind of jump on board. And then uh, Josie is uh, our other partner and she uh, is huge into marketing. Uh, So she does all of our Instagram posts, tries to get us out on Pinterest and uh, is getting, (laughs) motivating us to write blogs. So she's getting us, hopefully getting us a lot of publicity. So we all have our little facets in there. Different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Harry got a old uh, 85 Bronco (laughs) a few years back. And he ended up getting quite a bit of mechanic work in uh, in high school, which really has helped out on the farm as well. So he's shown all of us kind of how to work on things a little bit like that. And our tractor ended up uh, dying on us out in the field. And it was a fuel pump issue 
but me and him were out there for two days working on it, but we ended up getting yeah. it running again. So it's, <laughs> we all have our expertise. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Cause like they said with the mechanical stuff, none of us or neither of them knew how to work on a tractor. It was all, you know, car engines. And so we had our two experts head out there and for two days they were just out fixing a tractor that they had no idea how, and it's 1975 tractor so it had some serious problems <laughs> but it was just a, a fun fun way to learn it yeah yeah for sure gosh this is this is so cool you guys so if people like wanted to come out to the farm I mean you said there's like open times but like what what is what's it going to look like this winter I mean you're not going to be farming in the winter no no I don't expect many people to want to come <laughs> yeah it's near hibbing during the winter oh, it's yeah <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if, if people wanted to, of course, they're welcome to come check out the farm. We have uh, more, of course, more visits in the, the summer, or at least we're planning to, um, because the summer we, we plan to plant, uh, along with our hemp, we're hoping for some sunflowers to get people up here, some lavender. We tried lavender this year, but lavender does not like our soil, so maybe we can <laughs> get some other beautiful wildflowers going. But yeah, we're hoping for visitors and as many that would like to come see the operation and yeah, can come see it. <laughs> Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, like with winter, like what kind of, what kind of tasks are you going to try to dive into this winter? Just more of like the business and marketing side of it or. Yeah. We're really trying to get on our marketing right now, business marketing and uh, blog writing. We have a lot of, a lot of that to do. And then we have to also have to package all of our hemp since it's just us four, we have to, you know, package, for example, there's 453 grams in a pound and we have a gram is what we put in a pre-roll. So we have to package to sell a pound. We have to package 453 of these little uh, pre-roll packs. So it's just a lot of kind of hands-on work of packaging, weighing out our products and getting them ready for sale since it's no longer in the field. Sure. Because you, you guys are like doing this full time, right? Like do any of you work part-time gigs? Nope. We all, we're all, all here. here, all work here. <laughs> yeah. This is, see. this has been our everything for yeah. about a year. We've seen a lot of each other. <laughs> yeah. Are you like, has that been a challenge? Like, do you guys kind of like butt heads? I mean, I'm sure running a business together and being friends, there's some head button. Yeah. I think we all have, we have one of the best, well, that's one of the best things we have really open communication. So since we have had so many challenges and we have failed a lot at <laughs> our challenges, no idea is really a bad idea. So we'll, I mean, if somebody brings something to the table, we're willing to try it. We, we might butt heads on maybe how we go about trying it, but we're never really too angry with each other with maybe how, you know, how an idea goes. Yeah. I think it definitely helps too, that we have been friends for such a long yeah. time, having become friends in high school, it, it's, we obviously still bought heads and get into arguments and things mm -hmm. like that, but our friendships are pretty tested at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's been quite a few years. We've been through a mm -hmm. lot together. Yeah. So even if we get into arguments and things like that, it's like a family up here right. living together and having known each other for right. so long. So it, we family we've gotten lucky. Yeah. yeah. Everything comes out at family dinners or something like that. We, you know, we take, as we say, like farm, uh, farm field trips. So we try to get away from the farm a little bit to give us, some, you know, just distance from the business, because that's, I think, one of the hardest things is always living with your business. It's always on your mind. And those stressors are just always there. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to get away from the, the farm just a little bit to space it gives that space. Sure. I bet so. Because like, I mean, our podcast too, is so much about like how the outdoors can like lower your stress levels and like going out on a hike is so good for you. And being outside is such a big part of the farming that you guys are doing. But like you said, at the same time, it's a business and you're constantly thinking about it. So maybe the being outside part of it doesn't always lower your, your anxiety and stress. Yeah. I can't imagine being in a business inside now, just because I, I think you're totally right. Is if, if you're outside, somehow you take news better here. <laughs> you're just, you see you're happier outside. So definitely that plays into lowering our stress, but it's nice to get outside in a, a different place from our farm. So we don't have to look at our plants <laughs> and think about all those problems. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys grow anything else besides the hemp there? Like, do you have your, like a vegetable farm or anything? <laughs> we, we were, we were hoping <laughs> we yeah. ended up with a lot less free time this summer than mm -hmm. we had hoped for. We had hoped mm -hmm. for a big vegetable garden and to do lavender mm -hmm. or something. 
similar yeah. to that but we just didn't have the time to yeah. pursue anything else this next summer we're really hoping to get a really nice mm-hmm. garden so we can eat food directly from our land mm-hmm. and to maybe hopefully do something like sunflowers or just something pretty or that can be harvested yeah for, you know neighbors or friends right. and family right but this this year we did not have the time <laughs> no. unfortunately we tried we had a we had a small you know we had our call it our secret garden because it's in uh, we plowed this little area out that is surrounded by forests so it was really a cool garden but oh my gosh nothing grew we had beans that get topped out maybe at this big you know maybe five inches of bean and then we had corn that got up to your knee and that was <laughs> about that we we just did not have enough time to care for it. So that was that was too bad. But we are hoping for bees next year. We would like to keep some bees as well. So that'd be that'd be kind of fun. Oh yeah, get the pollination out there. That's yeah. Yeah, plus honey, I would just love to have my own source of unlimited honey. That's <laughs> that would be delicious. So that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Just getting back to like living living off the land is such a I think there's a really big movement coming with that. So yeah. Yeah, going back to that connectedness and just like we were saying before, the fulfillment in your actions, having everything you do actually have a direct payoff and something you can see. So that'd be that'd be the goal. <laughs> yeah. So you guys said you have like family dinners together. Do you do that every night? Like cook meals together and sit down? Most yeah, nights. Most nights. Yeah. yeah. Most nights. And now that it's getting into uh, winter, we have, uh, we, we used to do, uh, you know, a lot more stuff outside, but now it's so, so cold once the sun goes down. So we do family, you know, like TV nights where we, we get into Lost. So we've had a lot of Lost nights. We've had a lot of, you know, just kind of fun stuff like we do darts upstairs, you know, every, you know, everything we can because, you know, there's not many other people around. So we, we just kind of hang out. <laughs> Yeah, isn't does the uh, North Country Trail run through where you guys are, or am I totally not thinking of the right area? Is there any trail system up there? We have a small, small trail system that's near us, but I don't think it's connected to the North Country Trail. We have a okay. small uh, Nordic skiing trail, and then we built a, a small Nordic skiing trail just around the property that we can go on. So that's that's pretty fun. And then hopefully this uh, this summer we're we're trying to build or I guess it's speculative but we're hoping to build a small mountain bike course. Um, some of our neighbors have excavators, so we're hoping we could uh, maybe use one of those, or you can rent an excavator. So we're hoping to kind of turn part of our field into a little mountain bi- biking course just to get us out a little bit more. Right, totally. That's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity you guys could do with this this land. You said it's 80 acres. Yeah, 80 acres which is fun for us because, you know, growing up in the suburbs, it's weird to go back home now and have houses, you know, 15 feet apart. And that's just where, you know, you grow up and you're used to it. And living out here, you get totally used to being able to go outside at any time of night you want. You can, you know, play music however loud you want. You don't see people ever. So it's just a definitely a, a shock to go back home now and see see so many people and just houses so close. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, so serene up here and just so quiet, mm-hmm. which is something that I think we all get spoiled with because when we do go back to the cities or the (laughs) suburbs it's you don't realize how loud everything is and Mm -hmm. just yeah how many people there are so it's really nice to be able to just go outside and we do have a decent chunk of woods on our property yeah so we can just go out and you know walk around the woods and it can be nice and quiet and you see you know squirrels and grouse run around and things like that so we do get spoiled with how nice it is up here oh yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we were in a suburb and yeah, I sometimes wish we were out kind of in the middle of the wilderness with no people, no traffic, no distractions. The convenience is amazing though. If in the suburbs you have the food right there, you have all your restaurants if you need. I mean, it's a, there's definitely a, a benefit over there too. Yeah, for sure. We had someone on the podcast a while back who lives up in the, like right near the Boundary Waters on the border of the Boundary Waters and just in this little cabin and she just loves it and she says whenever she goes into town she's just like itching to get back to her little log cabin (laughs) into her own little space oh wow do you guys do a lot of uh hiking up in the boundary waters too then or you uh do more adventures all around uh we have never done like we've only did a little bit of hiking in the boundary waters in the summer we've never gone up there in like the winter or anything to do hiking we more just do the canoeing in the boundary waters. 
Um, and then we do a lot of hiking on the Superior Hiking Trail. We've done a little bit of hiking on the North Country Trail. We do a lot of hiking around our around the suburbs here. Yeah. But I would say mostly we go up to the uh, Superior Hiking Trail. Yeah, that's a gorgeous trail. That is something to be, that's definitely something we want to visit more too. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not too far from it, so. No, no. Yeah, Baron Bean, I think the access down to Baron Bean is about an hour and 15 minutes away. So we're we're hoping to get up there pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So if people wanted to learn more about the farm, where could they find out more information? Uh, Rippled Leaf Farms uh, is a great, it, .com is our website. And we have blogs on there about what CBG is, how to use CBG, and just kind of information on how we grow it. So we have all of our nutrients on there because we're huge on sustainability and transparency because we believe that if we're sustainable, hopefully people will want to, you know, help us. And then if we're transparent in our actions, uh, everybody can see that we're true to our word. So if you want, you can go on there, you can see, of course, everything we're doing and uh, kind of get a little bit more information about what CBG is as a whole. Awesome. And did we miss anything else that you guys wanted to add? Oh, you can also look at uh, our Instagram. We have uh, a great Instagram page up and Pinterest. That's also Ripple D Farms. If you wanted to see just a little bit more about our farm life day to day, we have a fun, you know, animal section on there. So you can see what farm animals we have. But yeah, I think that's the best places to go if you wanted to know a little bit more about Ripple D Farms. Awesome. Wait, animals. You have animals on the farm. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, two guard geese and then uh, 10 chickens. And then I guess two golden doodles and two cats. Me and Harry both have a lot of uh, reptiles as well. I also have a lot of fish, but mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of snakes, a lot of lizards in the basement. And so that's always been fun. And we were hoping the geese would uh, guard the chickens because some people have <laughs> had success with that mm-hmm. just from like uh, bird predator birds, hawks mm-hmm. and things. They can kind of become attached to the flock. Unfortunately, ours didn't seem to attach to the chickens at all. They like to follow <laughs> no. us around. So they became yeah. attached to us. And then they also like to chew on wires and things they're not supposed yeah. to. So they've been a lot less helpful than we had hoped, <laughs> but they are a lot more fun than yeah. we had expected. Oh, they're sassy. They have great personalities. Do they have names? Michael and Pikel. It's a... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So if you want to see those, you can yeah check out our Instagram. They're, they're funny. <laughs> oh, cool. And then with the chickens, are you guys going to start doing eggs or anything? Yeah, we get all of our eggs from our chickens right now. And in the summer we had just way over production of eggs, which was awesome because we get eight to 10 a day. And so, you know, put them into pretty much whatever you can. And then after that, we've been trying to use them for dog food. And that's another thing we're hoping to try is uh, make our own dog food with all the food we grow on our property to try to cut down on those kind of costs and just give give Hobie and Pepin a little bit better food supply. So that'd be nice. Yeah, for sure. Reduce the waste. I made dog treats with my husband does home brewing beer and I made dog treats with the spent grain. Oh, wow. How did they turn out? Did they seem to be really like them? Yeah. Yeah. Our dog loved them They're, I mean, definitely not for human food because they were super dry. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I just put peanut butter and flour and the spent grain in them. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. I bet they love that. Yeah. We, yeah. We're trying to get a lot more recipes for that kind of stuff because it seems like you said a great way to eliminate any, any waste of your kitchen. So hopefully we can get on that. Yeah, for sure. And I think can chickens eat spent grain too? I think they can. Yeah. yeah. We have a, a compost bin in the kitchen and every maybe week we just empty it over by the chickens and the chickens, you know, kind of plow through that and yeah, I get a lot of food from it. Yeah. Cause I know if you like go into some breweries, like they're willing to just like give you the grains to use. Oh, that's brilliant. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it varies brewery to brewery, but some of them, if it's going to go to like a sustainable cause, they're all for it. Wow. That was a great, that's a great idea to contact some of them. We have some great breweries, breweries here in Duluth. So maybe we can check those guys out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, you guys. This has been fun learning about hemp and a little bit of the history and all of that. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. This yeah, is, thank you. This it's been really, really great. For yeah, for sure. We've loved doing this podcasting journey. We love bringing awesome guests on. We love seeing that people are listening. And we're really, really grateful that 
this is hopefully inspiring other people to get outdoors. Yeah, and as part of our mission at Hiking Through Life, we really want to help support others in continuing their journey or starting their journey into the outdoors. So as part of that, we have plans for future episodes to address some listener feedback. So if you have questions about backpacking, hiking, adventuring outdoors, let us know. Email hikingthroughlife at gmail.com and submit us your question or topic and we'll possibly address it in a future episode. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.